Myself Chakras, episode 92. The time for knowing God has come. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My Seven Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, action takers? AJ here. Welcome back once again to your home, your hub, and your destination for information that is sure to transform your life. Now, it's a beautiful, sunny morning here in Vancouver, British Columbia. The sun is out and the sky is blue. And as we head towards summer, I wish you get your supply of vitamin D as well to heal, to grow, and to have fun. So firstly, thank you so much for the emails that you've been sending me over the last few weeks and also for taking part in the Human Revolution Survey. I haven't replied to all of the emails yet and that's mainly because I want to relax read your emails one by one and then respond the very quickly for those who don't know about this survey the human revolution survey 2016 is a way for me to get to know you better so that i can provide you exactly the information that you need in order to begin your human revolution as soon as possible it has just one question because i know that you're super busy and the question is what is your single biggest frustration or passion when it comes to health and wellness i repeat what is your single biggest frustration or passion when it comes to health and wellness to take part visit the link my s-e-v-e-n-c-h-a-k-r-a-s.com slash survey once again that's my seven chakras.com slash survey so take a few minutes pour your heart out there is no word limit and allow me to serve you and today action takers i am super excited to bring you our featured guest for today jyotish novak so jyotish are you ready to inspire I absolutely am. Wonderful. So Naya Swami Jyotish came on to the spiritual path in 1967 when he met Swami Kriyananda, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. In 1968, Swami Kriyananda founded Ananda World Brotherhood Village in California, one of the most successful intentional communities in the world. Jyotish served the next 10 years as Ananda's general manager before Kriyananda's passing in 2013 of April. He named Jyotish as his spiritual successor. Now Jyotish has taught and lectured extensively around the world for over 40 years and helped establish Ananda's work in Italy and India. Along with his wife Devi, he serves as spiritual director of Ananda Sangha worldwide. So Jyotish, I've given our action tribe a short intro, but feel free to take a minute and tell us a little bit more about you. Okay, well thank you Aditya. I came onto the path very early in life relative speaking I was about 22 at the time I read autobiography of a yogi the great spiritual classic by Paramahansa Yogananda and that really changed my life and relatively soon after that a few months after that I met Swami Kriyananda began studying with him taking classes and then quit my job as a social worker in San Francisco to become his assistant 
Island. And since that time in 1967, I have really devoted my life to meditation, to teaching meditation, and to the establishing of these World Brotherhood communities, as Yogananda called them, or we call them Ananda communities. We have about nine of them around the world now. Well, thanks a lot for that wonderful intro. Jyotis, before we actually begin each show, we take some time to get into a state and to get inspired with the help of some carefully chosen words in the form of an inspirational quote. And I'm really looking forward to the quote that you've selected for us today. So what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this quote to your life. This quote comes from Paramahansa Yogananda. And he said, the time for knowing God has come, meaning that now we have the opportunity through silence within, going within to realize that we're one with God. The way that I and others at Ananda apply this is through daily meditation, where we use a variety of techniques to still the mind, to focus our consciousness, to open our hearts. And when we do that, when I do that, I can feel an expansion of consciousness where I'm much more connected and much more fulfilled in an inner way, which takes a lot of the pressure and stress off of the outer life. So I would say that the quote is, the time for knowing God has come, and the method for that, the primary method is meditation, daily meditation, and then living a righteous life. That is really profound. The time has come, dear action takers, to get to know yourself, to get to know the universe, and to get to know God. As you expand your consciousness, you learn about these wonderful techniques, ancient techniques like meditation, and you head towards fulfillment and continuous, ever-shining happiness. So thanks a lot for sharing. Of course. So let's dive right in. What exactly is Kriya Yoga? Kriya Yoga is a technique of meditation. It's uh, partly one could consider it a pranayama technique because it involves a breathing aspect. But first of all, it is done during meditation and it's a deep concentration on the flow of energy up and down the spine. And by doing that concentrated technique accompanied by a breathing tech special breathing technique by doing that it begins to withdraw the life force that normally goes out into the world through the senses through desires through connections through worries the restless mind it begins to withdraw that life force more and more into inner stillness. And in that inner state, we begin to be able to connect with our deeper aspect, our deeper self, our soul self, as opposed to the ego self. Wonderful. So you mentioned that it is a technique of meditation involves breath work. And the difference is that it's done during meditation. And the focus really is the flow of energy up and down the spine. Now, very quickly, before we move on, could you explain what is prana for our audience who might be new to this space? Prana. Yes, prana is considered to be the universal field of energy. Okay. And so it's conscious energy, not just energy in terms of what we think of as sunlight or some 
impersonal form of energy, but this is the conscious energy through which the universe is created. Then when that field of energy, that Mm -hmm. ocean of energy that we live in, when that is inside our own body, creating the cells, the process by which we are born into this world, the bodily processes of respiration, digestion, all of that, all is done by the flow of this pranic energy. And so the technique of Kriya Yoga helps us become Mm -hmm. aware of that prana and be able to bring it under our conscious control. Beautiful. Now, for someone new to meditation, new to yoga, and new to spirituality in general, who was or who is Paramahansa Yogananda? And what really was his mission here in the West? That's a very interesting question. And he was a very, very important figure in the change of consciousness in the West. Mm -hmm. He was born in India, in Calcutta, in Bengal, in 1893. He was... Extremely spiritual. He was a great, great yoga master. He was extremely spiritual from the time that he was born. And he was prepared by a line of gurus specifically to bring the ancient teachings of yoga and especially Kriya Yoga to the West and to America. Mm -hmm. He came to America in 1920 and He began teaching. He first arrived and lived in Boston on the East Coast. He began teaching, and within three or four years, he became the most popular speaker, a public speaker in America. He taught at, he would do what he called his spiritual campaigns, and he would go to a city, for instance, Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and he would speak in the very largest halls of Philadelphia, where he would be giving classes and lectures to as many as two, three, four thousand people. And so he went across the country for many years, giving lectures and uh, teaching class series in how to meditate, and also the class series that led up to a Kriya initiation. And in this way, he just magnetized the consciousness of America. He really is responsible for the introduction in a a deep way of the teachings of yoga and the teachings of meditation into the West. And so he lived in the West from 1920 to 1952 when he passed. Mm -hmm. In addition to all of these lectures, later on he spent more of his time in a center in Los Angeles, which he established. And he spent more time training direct disciples, and he also wrote the great, great spiritual classic autobiography of a yogi. That book has been read by millions and millions of people and has really been the tool by which uh, many people, whether they're disciples of Yogananda or not, they're introduced to the expansive consciousness that's possible. That was certainly true for me. Wonderful. You mentioned that he was prepared by a line of gurus to bring Kriya Yoga to the West, particularly to the United States, doing these spiritual campaigns, teaching these new concepts, addressing thousands and thousands of people back in those days. Now, yoga these days is widely accepted, but in those days, I'm sure he did get some resistance, right, from people who weren't really open to new ideas. Oh, yes, he got a lot of resistance. He had to, with his soul power, Mm -hmm. he had to overcome the tendency, which is universal in mankind, of 
the rejection of anything that is new. And so here's a man from India. He had long hair. He would come on to the stage in uh, when he was teaching, and sometimes he would run onto the stage because he was so filled with energy and he wanted to energize his audience, and he would come running onto the stage, and he often started his lectures by saying, how feels everyone? And they would respond, awake and ready. And then he, once they were energized, then he would give his lectures. But he also had to face a lot of prejudice. There was racial prejudice in America at that time. Mm-hmm. And so he faced racial prejudice. He faced religious bigotry. He faced a lot of resistance as anyone needing to introduce something new into a country would base. But he was such a positive force. He didn't concentrate on, you know, political action or fighting against. Mm -hmm. He just put out such enormous positive energy that people soon and uh, hundreds of thousands attended his lectures. And so his reputation was very large and very positive by and large. Wow. Truly, truly inspirational. So action takers, soul power, determination and dedication to make a change no matter what. Now, uh, for somebody listening to the show, what are some of the benefits of learning Kriya Yoga? Now, if you could break them down into short term and then long term as well. Okay. Well, Because Kriya Yoga is a part of meditation, the learning to meditate is for the mind and consciousness just as important as physical exercise or right diet or any of the other things that we do to take care of ourselves. So man is a is a triune being. We have a physical body, quite obviously. We have a mental and emotional aspect to us. We also have a soul, and our soul, with the teachings of yoga, it talks about that soul reincarnating over and over again in different bodies. But that soul comes into each body and it retains a kind of a memory of past lives. And by meditation, we begin to attune ourselves to the proper ways of living in the world. So through Mm -hmm. meditation, the mind begins to become calmer and more focused. Our emotions begin to be under our control. And there are actual brain chemistry and brain function changes that happen as one learns to meditate. So it's the very, very best way to deal with the stresses of modern society. It's the best way to learn how to concentrate one's energy and focus it and Through the continued practice over a long period of time, one becomes very much in control of one's own emotions, of one's own decisions, of one's own life pattern. Instead of just being like a cork floating on the ocean tossed by the waves, we become like a a powerful ship that can cut through those waves. Wonderful. So I love that you mentioned that meditation is like exercise for the mind and action takers. Just like if you don't go to the gym for a couple of days or for weeks together, especially if you're used to going to the meditation, exercising, doing some weights or cardio. If you don't go to the gym, you might get tired and unhealthy. When you don't meditate, you are definitely 
missing out on a level of calm, on a level of peace that is really good for your body. So based on what I've heard, Kriya Yoga involves some amount of breath work and visualization. And I know that you hinted at the process a bit, but my question is from start to finish, what really happens during a single Kriya Yoga session? During a single Kriya Yoga session, normally we begin with something that helps to open up the heart. Uh, Yogananda and Kriyananda devised many, many chants, Mm -hmm. and many of these chants are uh, devotional chants. Some of them came from chants or, you know, bhajans in the Indian tradition, but often they're a way of opening the consciousness and affirming something. For instance, a very simple one that we often do is, I want only thee, Lord, thee, only thee, meaning that we're trying to turn the desires of our heart toward uh, spiritual aspiration. So we begin with some sort of devotional practice that opens up the heart and focuses the mind. Mm. Then there's a preliminary technique called the Hong Sa technique in which you simply concentrate on watching the breath. And just that watching the breath and uh, the mind is naturally restless. It's just the way that our minds are built by having a focal point on the breath, which is interior to us, not out into the world, into our busy lives, the businesses, the problems that we have. By focusing on breath, the mind begins to be calm and focused. Mm-hmm. And then after doing that for some time, then those of people who've been initiated, it takes a while. It takes about a year of preparation to go through the preliminary stages of making sure that your meditation practice is adequate, is uh, regular every day, and you prepare yourself for Kriya Yoga, then receive an initiation. For those who have received the Kriya Yoga initiation, then they do their Kriya Yoga technique, which, as I was saying earlier, withdraws the life force into the body and begins to close down the restlessness of the mind. Mm -hmm. The ancient teacher Patanjali talked about different stages of spiritual awakening, and two of those stages are called pranayama, control of this prana life force, as I was explaining, and then pratyahara, which is the shutting down of sense telephones. So shutting down of the senses uh, even partially allows us to get in touch with the whispers of our own soul. And for instance, uh, just as an analogy, everyone has a heartbeat that's going on all of the time. Every second or so, the heart is beating. But how many of us are aware of the beating of our heart? We're completely oblivious to it. But if we were calm and silent and focused, then we can actually feel and hear the beating of the heart It's like that we have certain levels of consciousness and peace and joy that are there all the time, but we're oblivious to them. When we calm our minds, then we become aware of the fact that we're filled with joy. So Kriya Yoga helps us to interiorize and calm our consciousness so that we can feel these inner states that we don't have to learn them. They're already part of who we are. In essence, we are joyful. We are peaceful. We are loving. It's that we put veils of 
worry and desires and unnecessary things over what we innately are. And meditation and Kriya Yoga help us perceive who and what we really are in a sense. And so after the practice of Kriya Yoga, then you just try to remain inwardly in an interiorized state where you feel your own peace, your own joy, your own love. And then people at Ananda normally end their meditation by praying for other people, praying for those who they know who have difficulties, maybe some health issues or whatever. And then in the last year, we have started a practice of praying for world peace. And we do something called the Peace and Harmony Prayer, which you repeat for a minute, Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony. Peace and harmony. You repeat that, Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony. Peace and harmony while visualizing the world being filled with light, filled with love, people connecting and and not hating each other, but being positive. And then after a minute of repeating that, then you say, Lord, fill me with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. You do that for 15 seconds. And this practice is sending out waves of peace and harmony into the world that can be very, very helpful. I noticed that you asked a really powerful question in your response, which is how many of us are aware of our heartbeat? And that's so true. Without the heart, without the heartbeat, we can't survive. But sometimes we really take it for granted. We don't take time to think about it. And it's like we are oblivious to our own heartbeat that's beating and beating and beating so that we can survive. So thanks a lot for that wonderful response. Let's talk about life today. A challenge that a lot of people face these days is stress or anxiety. Now, we do have devices, we have gadgets and technology that are supposed to free ourselves and save us time. But it seems like we've gotten busier than ever. And deep down, some of us wish that we have 36 hours instead of 24. So what are some of the reasons why people experience stress or anxiety? Well, there are many reasons that we feel stress or anxiety, but some stress is actually helpful. For instance, if you had mentioned going to the gym and doing some weights or some cardio or something like that, we purposely put the body or the muscles under stress and then the body the body responds. The muscles grow stronger. If you do cardio, uh, the body responds by expanding, creating new blood vessels, new ways of delivering oxygen to the muscles. And so that stress is helpful, Mm -hmm. but the problem with other kinds of stress is that One, you don't have it under your control. And secondly, there's no way out of it. You go to the gym, you do your workout, then you stop. If you had to lift weights continually, hour after hour, day after day, it would break down your body. It wouldn't be helpful. And so the kinds of stresses that we find ourselves under with work, with demands of family, with all kinds of other difficulties is too much continual stress and no relief from that. And unfortunately, our technological gadgets, cell phones is a perfect example, which are meant to help uh, facilitate life. They, in fact, open us up to continual levels of stress. And so one of the things that we simply have to learn to do if we're going to be healthy is to take a break 
from all of the outward demands. That's another reason to meditate. If you meditate for an hour or two a day and disconnect from, uh, even if you meditate five minutes, you disconnect from that constant level of stress. I don't want to say that meditation is like sleep because sleep, of course, is uh, we go into an unconscious or subconscious state. But in this sense, without sleep every night, without disconnecting, we would go crazy. And so we're built in such a way that we have to disconnect from pressure and from stress. And so Meditation helps us do it consciously and helps us have it under our own control. So there you go, action takers. Not all stress is bad for you. Just like you go to a gym, you actually use the resistance. You use the stress, you use the obstacles and continuously build yourself to take on more stress. The problem is when you have stress levels that you can't really control and you can't really stop. And as Jyotish mentioned, the solution really is meditation. Now, Jyotish, I've spoken to numerous action takers, both online and offline. And while everyone agrees that meditation is a really powerful practice to overcome the stress, some of them face a challenge. As soon as they try to meditate, they experience some internal mental chatter and they just can't focus on creating a level of inner silence. So for someone who's tried it in the past but has found it difficult to meditate, how does a person go about learning to meditate? Do you have any advice around this? Yes, I have a number of pieces of advice. One is that everybody, everybody has trouble focusing their consciousness unless you have already become a master and there are very very few masters in the world so the first thing is to accept the fact that your mind is going to be restless so many people that i know who try to meditate they begin a little bit they expect that they're off uh, right out of the chute they're going to become perfectly focused perfectly calm and when they find that the mind is filled with chatter then they get disappointed they think that they've failed somehow and they give up well it just is going to be that the mind is a restless creature and we have to use techniques in order to help bring it under our control. That's why I mentioned that technique of watching the breath. This is one of the very best techniques. It's extremely simple. You simply feel the breath coming in and the breath going out. You make no attempt to control it. You can begin by feeling the cool current in the nostrils as the breath comes in, slightly warm current as the breath goes out. Mm -hmm. And by concentrating on the breath in that way, do that for five or ten minutes, and that will begin to bring your mind under control. You'll find almost everyone finds, well, the mind still wanders, but you have a reference point. As soon as you realize that the mind is wandering, you have this reference point to bring the consciousness back onto the breath. The other thing that doing this exercise of feeling the breath, then you try to feel it higher and higher in the nostrils until eventually you're feeling it near the point between the eyebrows. The point between the eyebrows is the point of meditation for most people and certainly on our spiritual path and in the practice of Kriya Yoga, that's a very important point. It also relates to the prefrontal lobes of the brain, which uh, many, many scientific experiments now or studies have shown that the prefrontal lobes 
of the brain actually grow in size and become more active mm-hmm. for those people who meditate. This is important because that's the area of the brain that gives us control and conscious decision and kind of higher uh, discriminatory powers. When that becomes more active, the primitive areas of the brain that produce anxiety or uh, hatred or negative attitudes, one could call it the reptile brain. That reptile brain actually uh, begins in meditators. It begins to calm down. And in long-term meditators, it is very hard to arouse that primitive reactionary part of the brain so that we simply don't have the same kind of negative reactions to things that people constantly have to deal with that is another stressor in our lives. So meditation and this simple technique of watching the breath can be extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. So there you go, action takers. Everyone has trouble focusing on their consciousness. Don't give up. Accept that you might drift off when you try to meditate, even though it might be many times. But techniques will help you bring your mind back into control. Just like when you're on an aeroplane, 80% of the time it's off course. But what happens is the pilot has a GPS. So every time the plane goes off course, the pilot brings the plane back onto course and then you finally reach your destination in a couple of hours. So thanks a lot for that wonderful explanation, Jyotish. Now for someone listening to the show right now who really wants to build some momentum by taking some action today itself, is there a simple and easy health tip that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? I would recommend that when people get up in the morning, that's usually a time that we have under our own control. You know, the busyness of the day has not yet started. Mm -hmm. So when you get up in the morning, simply sit and concentrate for even five minutes. If you do that for five minutes and do it regularly, it's better to meditate for five minutes every day Mm -hmm. than to meditate for an hour every once in a while and never meditate other than that. So build a regular practice of calming yourself, of focusing within, of being disconnected from the world. And then as you make the transition into deeper and deeper meditation, you will naturally want to meditate longer periods. After your meditation, build a little bridge. Don't immediately go to your cell phone or your uh, computer and get into restlessness. Build a little bit of a bridge where you're active, but you're doing your activities in a state of calmness. For instance, go make your breakfast, but stay a little bit calm as you make your breakfast. And if you can learn to hold on to that state of inner peace and calmness that you've experienced in meditation, it's very easy then to recall it during the day when you're under much greater stresses and much greater pressures for restlessness. Well, thanks a lot for that powerful tip. We'll add that to the show notes. Now, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Now, this is a powerful quote by Ambrose Redmoon. Action takers, what I've learned through my journey is that everyone has fear, especially when faced with challenges or obstacles that come out of nowhere. It's just human to have fear about our future and how things might change due to changing circumstances. But the people who move past fear are those who notice it, embrace it and leap over it. And they do so because they've realized that 
something else is more important than fear they've realized their why so jyotish i'm sure that you are no stranger to challenges or obstacles as well so take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge talk to us about your initial reaction and then how did you overcome the challenge That's a very good question. Obviously, everybody faces challenges in their life. And Paramahansa Yogananda said that the season of failure is the best time to plant the seeds of success. So the times when we face challenges are actually the times when we're likely to grow most. There was a time in the early years of Ananda community, this was 1976, that we had a huge forest fire. And the forest fire came, burned many thousands of acres, but it burned the entire community of Ananda. And at that time, we We had about 25 homes, uh, many families living here, and it burned down all of those homes. It burned down our home, and what added to our challenge was my wife and I had a baby that was 10 days old at the time of that fire coming. And so I started by trying to save our house. So I was uh, near our house, which was in the woods. I had a hose. I had some tools. But the flames were 30, 40, 50 feet high in the trees. And there was just no possibility of changing uh, the fact that our house was going to be burnt to the ground. So once I realized that, I just became very calm, and in my mind, I said something that's part of our spiritual practice, which is, everything I have came from you, God. It's actually yours in the first place. I give it back to you. I've only been the steward of this house. I give it back to you. And so then I came down out of the hills, which is where our house was, to more the flatland of Ananda community, and there my wife and baby were waiting for me. I didn't want them to feel that it was a great tragedy. I wanted them to feel there was strength and still. So I said our house had had some leaks. So the first thing I said to my wife was, well, we don't have to worry about those leaks anymore because our house was gone completely. And she laughed. But coming back to your question, how do you overcome a challenge like this? You don't dwell on the negativity of the challenge itself. You focus on what steps need to happen now. And we began to focus immediately on how to rebuild the community. In fact, uh, Swami Kriyananda, the founder of Ananda, when he saw Devi, my wife, he could see that she was a little shaken by this whole experience. And he said, How do you feel, Davy? Well, that's good. And just walked on. He did not allow her to uh, reinforce the thought in her mind, oh, this is so difficult, this is so terrible, a big tragedy, it's so awful, I don't know what I'm going, all those negative things. He just wanted her to focus on the positive. So when we have a challenge in our life, there's always a positive reaction that we can choose to have to that negative, what we view as a negative experience. If we focus on the positive, one, we will very quickly eliminate the fear and anxiety that's attendant or negativity that's attendant with difficult situations. And secondly, we'll move from negativity to positivity, which is where our future and our growth lies. So looking back now, maybe in just one sentence, what is it one major life lesson that our listeners can take away from your story? 
When faced with a challenge, look for the positive solution. Thanks a lot for sharing your story. I know going back to a time of a challenge can be really hard. You mentioned that uh, the forest fire had burned down many homes in your area within the Ananda community, really high flames, and there was no way to save it. But you remained calm. You used positive affirmations and you realized that your family was safe. You didn't dwell on the negativity, but you focused on how to rebuild the community. And I love, really love the quote that you shared. The season of failure is the best time to plant the seeds of success. So thanks a lot for sharing. And action takers realize that you are not alone. There are millions of people around the world who have fears, but that's not a bad thing. Once you are aware of your fears and you understand them, take some risk and move past them because the universe loves you and is always watching over you. And as award-winning author Shakti Gawain once said, the universe will reward you for taking risks on its behalf. <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you, Jyotish, is have you found your life's true calling? And if yes, what is your life's calling? Yes, I have found my life's true calling. And that is, for me, the personal search for God within me that takes place primarily through meditation and the techniques of meditation. And then I would say my life calling is the practical application of those in daily living, which is why we created these spiritual communities called Ananda, is to take that theory, that philosophy, and apply it in daily life so that our communities become like living laboratories by which we can prove whether these things actually work or not. And we have proven by 50 years of experience with thousands of people that these are powerful, helpful ways of living. And my life calling is to share that information, the techniques, the attitudes that help us live a happier, freer life with other people. My wife and I travel all over the world sharing these teachings. Wonderful. So was there ever a magical moment in your life? beyond which you were certain that your life was about to change. Let's go back to that particular moment. Now, there's a very, sometimes the mind is not open on a conscious level to what needs to happen. And so we get messages through dreams or through uh, sometimes other avenues, but through a dream, a very, very important turning point in my life came. This was soon after Swami Kriyananda asked me to leave my work as a social worker and become his assistant. Mm -hmm. And I knew that this was not just a job change. This was a whole change of the focus of my life. So I had a dream in which I was walking through a meadow and I was carrying a fishing pole and I knew that I was supposed to start fishing. Now, I had given up fishing because I didn't like hurting the fish with the hook. I had done fishing as a young boy. In the dream, I came to a cave that had an underground stream, and I threw this line into the underground stream and immediately caught a fish. And as I was carefully taking the hook out of the fish's mouth, I was looking at that, that fish. Then I looked, and it had changed into the baby Jesus. And I, so I was holding the baby Jesus on my lap. And the baby Jesus said to me telepathically, you will never know what it feels like to be a fish 
by sitting on the bank, looking at the stream, Mm -hmm. turned back into a fish, flopped out of my lap and back into the stream and swam away. And I woke up immediately. This is what's called a super conscious dream. I woke up immediately knowing what that meant, that if I wanted to live the life of a yogi, of someone dedicated to a spiritual search, I would never know what that really felt like, what that really produced in the consciousness by only being an observer of it. I had to enter into it fully. And so I immediately told Swami Kriyananda that I would quit my job and become his assistant. And the rest, as they say, is history. Mm -hmm. That was nearly 50 years ago. So Jyotish, for someone listening to the show right now, maybe at their home, on the way to work, or maybe at a coffee shop, waiting to find their life's true calling, what is the secret of true happiness, according to you? I would say find a time where you can calm yourself sufficiently so that you are not driven by your current habits and desires and patterns and calm your heart so that you feel that you're open, truly open to receive the advice of your own higher self and then ask your own higher self, what changes do I need to make? And how can I make those changes? And if you are in a state where you can receive that self-given intuitive advice and act on it, that will change your life. Beautiful. And with that, we reach the wisdom round, the final round for today's show. Now, this round is a four-question rapid-fire round. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Great. So, as you dive into your memories, what is the best advice that someone's ever given you? Meditate every day, even if you only meditate for five minutes at a time. So, name a personal habit that contributes to your well-being. I make sure that in the morning when I wake up, I first focus on my spiritual life. I do a set of exercises that were given by Yogananda, and then I sit to meditate. But I take that first part of the day, and I also take the last part of the day before going to sleep, and make sure that I keep under my control those periods of time to disconnect and give energy to my soul growth. So what is your morning ritual like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? When I wake up, I do a set of exercises called energization exercises that were uh, devised by Paramahansa Yogananda. He said that this was his unique contribution to the science of yoga, and it helps you bring this life force's prana under conscious control. That takes about 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. Then I sit to meditate. Usually I meditate for two or three hours in the morning, but that meditation time is very, very important, and I don't let anything at all get in the way of that. I don't go to email. I don't do anything before I do that because I know it'll stir up my mind. Mm. Then after meditation, then when I come out of meditation, I try to spend the first 10 minutes or so maintaining that calm, interiorized state, and then I begin my daily business. And, you know, contrary to what some people think, oh, yogis, they don't have to do anything. Ananda is a worldwide work, and my wife and I are uh, the spiritual directors of that, so we have a very, very busy, very intense work schedule. So I try to do that work schedule, but 
maintaining uh, inner centeredness and inner balance while I do that. Now, I know that you love reading books and you've read many books in the past. But if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? If they have not read Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, that is, I would say, the most important book of the last hundred years. So action takers, the links, the show notes and the insights discussed during this episode can be accessed by visiting our website, my S-E-V-E-N-C-H-A-K-R-A-S.com slash 92. That's my 7 chakrascom slash 92. So before we end today's session, Jyotish, what is that one thing that you're really grateful for today? And tell us the best way we can find you. I think what I'm really grateful for is to have a spiritual path and a set of techniques that allow me to feel like I have my life directed and under my control in a positive way. And the best way to find us and different aspects of Ananda is through the website www.ananda.org, A-N-A-N-D-A dot org, www.ananda.org. And through that, you can find subsidiary sites, but you can also find my wife and I have our own website, jotishanddavy.org. Perfect. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. One of the things that we would like to do is offer the listeners a chance to take a discounted course on the chakras. And this course will help people learn where their chakras are, how to unblock them, how to increase the flow of life force that we've been talking about, and how to uh, really experience your own inner centers. And so if you go to www.onlinewithananda.org, and then there's there will be a link to this special offering on the the um, course on on the chakras. It's normally a seventy eight dollar course, but for the listeners, if they use the code Bliss B L I S S, they get that course at half price. Well, thanks a lot for being so incredibly kind. I'm sure that the people listening to the show, people who want to learn more about chakras, about breath work, about meditation, will love this wonderful gift. So there you go, action takers. The course is normally $78, but because you took the time to listen to this episode till the very end, you get a 50% discount. So you get it at $39 and we'll have the link up in the show notes as well. And if you want to learn more, again, the show notes can be accessed by visiting my7chakras.com slash 92 forward slash 92. So Jyotish, thank you so much for coming on our show today, talking to us about the power of meditation and the power of Kriya Yoga and taking us one leap closer to a human revolution. Thank you, Aditya. It was really a pleasure talking with you. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.